You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday at 5 p.m. on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. everyone. It is now five o'clock here at CFRC 101.9 FM in beautiful Kingston, Ontario, coming at you from the basement of Carruthers Hall on Queen's University campus. And I have the great pleasure to welcome Meredith Wilson-Smith, the editor-in-chief of the Queen's Journal, and Ian Sheriff-Scott, the managing editor of the Queen's Journal. Both of them are in studio with me today. Welcome. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so, both of you are uh, just have just taken on your roles, uh, leading the the good ship, <laughs> if you will, over at the Queen's Journal. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves and your roles at the Journal. Sure. So I can go first. Um, my name is Ian, and I'm the managing editor of the Queen's Journal. Uh, I've worked uh, at the Journal for uh, coming on three years now. I am sticking around for a fifth year to be the managing editor, and so I will have wound up working four years in total, the, the, a degree's length. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of uh, my background at the paper. I came in as a contributor um, and just worked my way up because I ended up loving journalism a lot. Okay, and how about you? So I am currently a third-year student going into my fourth year at Queen's. Uh, I'm entering my third year at the Journal. I started as a copy editor, worked my way up to editorials editor, and then I'll be the elected editor-in-chief for the upcoming school year. Um, I, yeah, started at the Journal when I was a small second-year baby and have loved it ever since, so it's a great opportunity for us. All right. And what is it that you love so much about working at the Journal? Like, both of you have been here for for years so what is it that just keeps keeps you passionate. Yeah, well, I think what keeps bringing a lot of people back to the journal is, um, number one, it is the only sort of accurate, unbiased, um, and autonomous student newspaper that caters exclusively to students on Queen's campus. So that reporting opportunity is great because as Queen's doesn't have a journalism school, we are kind of that de facto journalism school or opportunity for any student who's ever considered that or even someone who loves writing or is curious about those sort of endeavors. Mm -hmm. So that's a great opportunity in itself. And then the thing that I have always been super passionate about is the community aspect of it. Um, It's great to get to spend day in and day out every single week for several years with a community of like-minded, super vibrant and passionate people. And that's really what's brought me back. And that's kind of what I wouldn't trade for the world. And so it's great because it's got the the personal aspect and then it's also got the professional aspect to it. Okay. Thank you, Meredith. How about you, Uh, Ian? Yeah. So I I love working at the Journal because one, I want to go into journalism as a career. And something that I think a lot of folks uh, on campus uh, don't really know uh, because, you know, we're not so great at telling them is that, and that's why we're here today, uh, (laughs) is that that you can actually work at the journal throughout your undergraduate degree and wind up collecting enough uh, real professional journalism experience to actually walk into the field and to get journalism internships to work in in the professional media. And, And I think that it's a big part of our mandate that really goes under the radar, and it's something that Meredith and I are thinking about a lot this year, is how we can prop up the the educational side of the journal. You know, we're teaching people skills from how to, you know, interview to, you know, how to lay out a print newspaper on on uh, on the computer. And that's an, you know, it's an incredibly broad set of skills that are applicable to, you know, not actually just 
media and journalism as an industry, but applicable, you know, to a broad spectrum of jobs. Indeed. And so, you know, we, we'd love to continue to be that, um, that resource. So how would students be able to get involved with the journal if they, uh, maybe if they had a story idea or they wanted to uh, participate uh, regularly as a, well, a contributor or maybe uh, somebody who actually writes consistent editorials or stories mm -hmm. or something, reportage? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So our shameless plug is at queensjournal.ca. That's where we've got all of our various links to our email addresses. And uh, we have a contributor's handbook on there for people to read. So people can pitch stories or ask to get involved on a rolling basis throughout the entire year. We're always present at those big opportunities like Queens in the Park and the Sidewalk Sale. We also do our hiring every March, so for the upcoming year. So we just finished that. We just established our new team, which is tremendously exciting. And then on top of that, something that Ian and I are really focused on for the upcoming year is uh, kind of expanded outreach in the community. So hopefully getting more involved in a host of opportunities, maybe hosting some events uh, to share kind of the resources and the opportunities that the journal has, whether that's a speaking event, a panel, a workshop, anything like that, um, we're going to try to kind of make it a more accessible presence for people on campus. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, people get discouraged sometimes when, you know, they they look to want to get involved and they see that hiring is closed, for example. Um, but, you know, so like Meredith said, a big part of getting new folks into the process is recruiting contributors and people who then want to come back and write on a rolling basis. So, if you contribute once to the journal, your title uh, is contributor. And if you contribute five times, you become a staff writer. And so it's kind of a, a progression system. And so we'd love to get more people not only just contributing like, you know, here and there because it's you can do it whenever you want, but also um, coming back consistently and then building up a portfolio. You know, once you've become a staff writer with us, you've written, you know, a handful of articles, you're in a way better position to, you know, apply for an editorial position uh, mm -hmm. the next year. Um, and, and I find it's a really great way to introduce people to media and journalism. Uh, that's how I was introduced by the news editor uh, two years ago. Um, and uh, on that point, actually, to, to bring up, well, to, to go off on part of our educational uh, component, uh, that editor who brought me into the process, uh, she just won the Goff Penny Award, which is for the best young journalist in Canada. So it's, you know, I mean... We like to, we keep repeating this, we keep plugging mm -hmm. it pretty shamelessly because it, it demonstrates that we are uh, capable of preparing people to not only, you know, enter the media industry, the newspaper industry, but to really flourish and like mm -hmm. succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, tell us about the value um, in your mind uh, of the Queen's Journal to the, to the community itself here at Queen's and beyond. What do you have to offer? What can people expect to read when they pick up a print copy or go online? And uh, what do you hope to accomplish with that? Yeah, I mean, I think to be perfectly frank, I think the journal is indispensable on campus. I think without it, our student leaders wouldn't be held accountable. Students would remain unaware of what's happening on their campus around them every day. I like to think of it as kind of we do the heavy lifting for students. So then they just have to pick up the paper and look at the front page and know what's happening in their own ecosystem. A lot of the time students might feel disengaged from their student leaders or they might be unaware of administrative moves, things like that. And what we do, and I think why the journal is so important, is we are educating and training this generation of students on campus to grow up through the journal, gain more responsibility, carry it forward, steward that institution so the paper can continue to serve its sort of editorial responsibility. And we have that responsibility to the students on campus. So 
without the journal, I don't believe that there is another institution on campus that produces print publications providing relevant news happening every single day to these people on campus. I mean, students are stakeholders of Queen's University, and I think we remind them of that. We empower them to stay engaged in their surroundings, Mm -hmm. and we give them the opportunities to be aware of what's going on so they can get involved and make change if that's something that they see fit to do. Okay. What do you think, Ian? Yeah, so I think that what we, you know, a lot of what Meredith just said is is true, but I think more, I mean, like, more broadly, um, you know, we provide... Uh, critical coverage to uh, to uh, of the university, right, and and our student government, and in fact, we're mandated to do such. Um, I think that you know, it, it's incredibly important to hold our student leaders accountable because uh, they've been elected by by the body, and and they expect us to work in that accountability uh, function. But as well, we're also covering an institution and an institution that is relatively impenetrable in a lot of ways. Um, You know, without the journal asking the tough questions to the university and, you know, showing up in Richardson Hall uh, and and knocking on doors, uh, you know, we're losing a significant part of the accountability. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only of just uh, students, because, you know, we're holding our peers accountable, but we're also holding you know, not our peers accountable and, and, and the, the professionals and, and the, the people uh, running the university. Okay. So in this regard, too, uh, while there's a specific, uh, very specific function in this regard that uh, the journal has to uh, keep students informed, how about uh, bringing the uh, Kingston community and alumni uh, closer to the, right. the campus itself? Right, absolutely. So in terms of kind of the Kingston community as a whole, we report on student news, which means news relevant to students, which means the Kingston community. Mm -hmm. So things happening in the Kingston community, uh, you know, our art section, our lifestyle section, our news section, we've always got coverage of that Kingston community. So students feel comfortable engaging beyond kind of the little Queen's bubble. Mm -hmm. And then in turn, I think through positive interactions between Queen's Journal reporters, whether they're first time reporters or seasoned staff members, I think hopefully they provide a good impression of Queen's University in turn to small business owners, uh, local artists, etc hopefully showing that you know Queen's students really do care about the community they're a part of and they want to continue to be a part of it so I think we foster positive engagement that way and then in turn that obviously trickles up to the alumni Mm -hmm. whether they stayed in Kingston whether they have moved far away um, they can get our newsletter they can check our website they can pick up a print copy when they're in town and they'll see and they'll continue to feel engaged in not just Queen's not just that little you and you bubble but also the broader Kingston community as a whole okay what do you think yeah, um, another way we engage with the Kingston community that I think is not really uh, seen or talked about outside of uh, us as an organization is we send, um, it used to be four and now it will be three, but we send uh, several reporters every summer to work uh, and do internships at the Whig Standard. So, you know, we see this as a critical part of not only our educational component, but also um, getting these staff members ready to cover an institution and a government in, in the fall. And so we do these internships with with the local paper. Um, Steve Service, uh, the editor in chief of the Whig, is is fantastic, and he uh, seems to enjoy working with us over the years. Has enjoyed working with us over the years, and um, you know it, it's a great way for uh, student journalists to engage directly in the community because you know a lot of times with our coverage we think about 
um, tying it all back to Queens. You know, so we do a lot of local Kingston coverage, but we we try to always have that that student or Queens element, right? Um, but giving our reporters a chance to work with a daily newspaper that's mandated is to cover, you know, the 150,000 plus folks in the city, it, it becomes a whole different experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I did it, um, I, I mean, it, it opened my eyes to all kinds of things in the city that, you know, you really don't get to access as a student, right? A lot of people will talk about They'll, they'll use the, the acronym NOP uh, for North of Princess. I don't know if you've heard that one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it, it's, it's almost condescending because, you know, it, the, the, the perspective is like anything NOP is like not really, we don't engage with it or it's not worth checking out. And that was that working at the WIG showed me that that is fundamentally inaccurate. I mean, this is a wonderful town. It has its challenges. But um, yeah, I mean, engaging with it beyond Princess Street is important, for sure. Um, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna shift gears here. I think we've learned quite a lot in just a, a, just this very short amount of time about uh, the great value uh, that the journal has for uh, Queen students, uh, but the Kingston community at large and certainly alumni too. Um, but now we're gonna shift gears a little bit on a maybe a sadder note. We've all heard about the Student Choice Initiative. What is, again, what maybe we can remind our listeners about what the Student Choice Initiative is and then uh, lead into a discussion of uh, what that might mean for the journal's future. Yeah, okay, great. So um, the Student Choice Initiative is a policy uh, put forward uh, this January, last January, excuse me, 2018, um, by the provincial government. Um, and the, the, the objective of the policy, the stated objective is, to reduce the cost of university generally for students. Um, they've done this kind of classic policy bait and switch, however, where they've cut, made cuts to OSAP um, and then said alongside, we're going to introduce the Student Choice Initiative, which is essentially a policy that mandates that all student fees uh, paid by incoming students and current students uh, become non-mandatory uh, or non-essential. And so... Uh, students will have the option to opt out of these fees. The the central problems here um, that that I see are one, these fees were mostly all of them were established through democratic referenda. So what the province is essentially doing here is they're stepping on student democratic processes and saying your democratic processes don't matter. We are going to overturn them, mm-hmm. and uh, in the interest of this bait and switch, which is, uh, you know, I think my former editor put it, characterized it well when he called it an incredibly irresponsible policy. Because, you know, student fees support a broad array of student life and services on campus. And with folks opting out of those fees, student life will suffer. And we are no exception to that. Um, So, yeah, I I can talk a little bit about that. Uh, But just as... As a policy, that's what it is is doing. Okay. Meredith? I mean, to echo everything that Ian said, he laid it out pretty well. And I think, obviously, we'll touch on it further. But I think something that's important to remember that's Queen-specific is that it's a hugely vibrant university with an incredible amount of opportunities. I mean, back when I was a high school, I, per- I personally chose the school based on the, com- the sense of community and the school spirit and the opportunities for leadership and engagement. In my opinion, I think the Student Choice Initiative just kind of quashes all of that. Why? Because it provides less opportunities through the diminished funding and also 
that lack of respect for the student democratic process. It takes away student empowerment. Um, it frightens students about the opportunities moving forward to keep their institutions and their clubs and their services alive, which means that they'll be less creative, they'll be less engaged, they'll feel less confident moving into leadership roles. And at a young age, you know, when people are taking on these opportunities they're hugely passionate about and all of a sudden they're disenfranchised, they're disempowered and they're afraid, I think that has a really long-lasting impact on their ability to kind of succeed and pursue their goals, to be honest. Okay. I'd also like to touch on something really quickly as well. I think this policy, additionally, like, you know, we talk about the granular issues that are directly impacting Queen's campus, you know, our services, but on like a philosophical level, this policy is anti-union, right? Um, Student unions, we we call our student government a a government, but what it is is a student union, right? Mm -hmm. You pay membership fees and they advocate and represent on your behalf, right? Uh, So another thing that this policy is doing is it's it's saying, look, students who are interested in organizing, we're going to make this that much more difficult for you. And, And so that is the lefty in me. (laughs) <laughs> talking about unions. Yeah. What is the journal doing now to get in front of the issues ahead of uh, the what your budget might look like? Because we still, CFRC is in mm-hmm. the exact same boat as our every other fee collecting organization on campus. Um, what is the journal doing to get in front of the issue with the uncertainty of what your budget line is actually going to look like as soon as October. Right. So we have kind of engaged in some preliminary exploration of advocacy efforts that we could do, but mostly what we are focusing on moving forward is an advancement campaign. That's kind of where we feel we're best able to rally the community that hopefully and really seems to care about us so much. Mm -hmm. So we'll be establishing that campaign, uh, raising donations, um, hopefully increasing awareness of this issue through word of mouth. One phenomenal thing about the journal that saved us time and time again is our massive base of alumni, Mm -hmm. Queen's Journal specific alumni, whether they're journalists, whether they're in completely different fields. uh, It's, like I said, such a close-knit community that those people do come in to help out when we need that. So mm-hmm. we're kind of banking on that. We're really hoping that'll come through. And that's something that we have spoken to the university advancement office about and to the AMS advancement office about. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really just trying to get that kickstarted this summer. And I think we're going to focus a lot on kind of spreading the word about that. Okay. And what about uh, engagement of students when they return? Yeah. I mean, so something we've thought a lot about is how we're going to mitigate uh, the damage to our print operation. And, and to be frank, I mean, we are in uh, kind of influx with this right now. Um, we had to cut the, the budget that existed for printing significantly. Uh, and right now we're unsure of how often we'll be printing next year, which for me is a, a significant thing because uh, if you look at the history of our organization, we're 147 years old. Uh, the journal has been continuously publishing for those 147 years, which means a paper has been released by our organization weekly for close to 150 years. Um, Next year, if we can't solve this issue, the journal will, for the first time in 150 years, not be printing weekly. And so for us, it's a a really huge issue. And Mm -hmm. and, I mean... It changes the scope of what the newspaper Mm -hmm. actually is. It does. And it also reduces part of our educational component, right? Mm -hmm. Part of our educational component is that these students are, are... laying out a print design, right? They're not only journalists, but they're 
they're kind of acting with two hats, uh, more than two hats, but those are the, the big hats, right? Um, learning how to do digital layout of a, a newspaper is an incredible skill, mm -hmm. and we desperately don't want to lose that. And mm -hmm. so that's that. You know, that's one thing we think about. So, what is the distribution in terms of um, like actual hard copy of mm -hmm. the paper? How many papers do you produce, and um, how much does it cost? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, good question. Sure. Yeah, good so that's actually something that we're grappling with right now, as recently as this morning. Yeah. Um, we cut our budget from it was around last calendar year. It was around thirty-five thousand dollars that we spent on printing. This year, we've allocated about nine thousand. Yeah. It's a it's a hefty cut. cut. So the thing is, in past years, we circulated around five thousand copies. Uh, over the past two or so years, that's dropped to three thousand. We're looking at dropping it down to maybe twenty-five hundred. But the for, for twenty-five hundred per twenty-five hundred newspapers. Week. Yeah per week. Um, but the problem with that is if you decrease uh, circulation to a certain point, you lose your print advertisers and you lose your capacity to continue revenue from that. And our print advertising supports us in a larger way in terms of the size of our budget than digital advertising does just by nature of, you know, a full page ad is, of course, expensive enough that we do reap the benefits of that. So we're looking at a pretty significant hit. And uh, that's something that Ian and I are kind of desperately trying to figure out at the moment because we are fundamentally opposed to losing that designation of continuously publishing if we can avoid it at all within our power. I mean, it's creative solutions, right? Like that's what mm -hmm. that's the that's what we keep coming back to is like, you know, how can we do this radically different and and how can we you know then potentially save a portion of our educational and reporting components. Hmm. Yeah. So with that in mind, then. Uh, and we see the we see the debate sometimes over on the um, um, you know in the world of the internet too. Mm -hmm. Where is print media going? So it, we know that the paper is 147 years old and has been producing weekly printing for uh, almost 150 years, as Ian rightly said. What do, what is the value still of the print copy in one's hand compared to? Um, now that there are things like applications and, mm -hmm. and, and the internet itself where somebody can look at it. Can you get in front of that particular challenge? Yeah, for sure. I particularly like something that Ian actually said yesterday, which is that people have been saying for the past 10 years that uh, print journalism will die in another 10 years. Uh, people are constantly kind of foreseeing and um, promising its death, but it hasn't happened yet. Obviously understanding that most people don't get a copy of the Globe and Mail dropped off at their front door anymore. Mm -hmm. I still think print is hugely important, both symbolically and practically. I mean, symbolically, it's it's a very special thing, and I'm not just saying that as like a sentimental uh, student journalist to hold the paper in your hands and flip through it. I think it promotes the reading of every single section and the consideration of all of the issues. You're not just siloing yourself off into the art section or something like that. You have to get through uh, the news section and the sports section before you get there. And I mean, even personally speaking, before I worked at the journal, I was not reading the sports section every week, and now here I am doing that exact thing, right? So. And I, now you know a little bit more about rugby. Now or maybe I know some more about Queens football. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, I I think people have so much to learn from holding that paper in their hands and not just clicking through the hyperlink. Mm -hmm. And um, also, I mean, I think students deserve having their bylines recognized and having their work properly recognized. Having those clippings is an important thing. And you can lose sight of kind of the person behind the article when you're not holding the paper in your hands, reading it every single week. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. It's a product, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's a physical product that, that we put out every week. And uh, right, and it's it's self-contained in in you know what is referred to as an issue, right? So mm -hmm. we you know when we think about doing online issues, you know we do that, but there's no delineation between 
where that issue ends and then where like, you know, where old coverage starts because it's all, you know, it's all funneled into the same website, the same feed. And so the idea, the philosophy of producing an, an issue specifically is something that, you know, we don't really want to lose. I think that when you when you create a product like that, the idea behind it is that it's got, you know, it's got a bit from every area and and it's self-contained, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I think I think that that's something that I think about a lot is uh, is the actual product we're putting forward. And then as well, that kind of can lead into, you know, looking at ways to change our product and and to maintain it on on the macro from the macro perspective, though, um, when we talk about the death of print media, I mean, you know, print media won't be around forever. Uh, people won't be picking up newspapers forever. And I think, you know, we all recognize that. Um, but, you know, I like to think of it as especially with uh, small circulation newspapers, there's an incredible value in community members engaging with a physical product. I think from both our perspective and then from their perspective, right? Mm-hmm. It, it shows that like there is a news organization that is dedicated to this specific place and it's put and, and, it, and it's occupying a physical space in on campus, right? Our print stands are all over campus, mm-hmm. right? They're occupying a physical space. It's saying, you know, the product is here. This is where you get, you, you can get your news. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big part of it. Um, you know, and hey, I'm off to class. I don't need to pay, play Candy Crush on my phone. I can read exactly. the papers. That's what we always hope. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, do you have any? Um, do you have any last comments or or words of wisdom for folks maybe that are thinking about uh, uh, getting involved maybe later on in the fall or uh, any words of advice on how to support the journal moving forward? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd say to students interested in getting involved, you know, keep an eye out for us all over everything, every social media, every uh, bulletin board on campus. Um, Something that's important is that I always say that I'm a bit of a relentless optimist when it comes to the paper. Um, I don't think it's over until it's over. And so with that in mind, I want to continue to encourage students to keep coming out, to keep pitching and writing stories, keep trying their hand at reporting or opinion writing, uh, because we're still going to be there no matter in what capacity. We're you know, we're going to figure it out. It's, I, I believe that where there's a will, there's a way. So mm-hmm. I think students should keep that in mind. With that in mind, they should continue to support us because, you know, they should have the will to find that way as well. But I think that there will always be a place for new students at the journal. And I think we're really excited about exploring those further opportunities for creativity within that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, right, like we always say so much is that Queens doesn't have a journalism school. Uh, we are the de facto journalism school. Um, you know, any student on campus can pitch and can write for us. Um, like, please pitch us. That that that, that, that if yep. if I had to put it down into into three words, it would be please pitch us. Um, so I could come in and write a story about why Ian and Meredith are awesome. <laughs> in our I mean, dreams, yeah. yeah. You know, we may reject that pitch, <laughs> but you know, you could do that theoretically. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just about getting people as well into the physical space of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, Meredith describes the house sometimes as like this impenetrable box or fortress. Yeah. And that just kind of puts out a newspaper and you don't know the people behind it. But, you know, we do have a small sign on our door that says, please come in. Mm-hmm. And we want people to take that seriously. Um, you can come in anytime, chat with us, uh, you know, talk about student issues, talk about potentially contributing and, and all these different things. Um, we're happy to provide that educational component, not just to our staff, but to the, the mm-hmm. whole campus. Yeah. 
All right. So last plug for your website. Yeah. www.queensjournal.ca. All right. And you also have social media too. We do. We do. Yeah. If you look up the Queen's Journal on Facebook, we're the first thing that pops up. And we've also got our verified Twitter account, which is at Queen's Journal. So you can find us there too. All right. And on Instagram. So mm-hmm. up to date, hot stuff. Hot takes. <laughs> yeah. And we can also tease our podcast, which we are working on. Uh, and we plan on introducing for the upcoming year. It's part of the shift to digital, uh, so uh, keep an eye out for that. Yes, we're mm-hmm. certainly very happy about that too. <laughs> we'll be doing lots of help and plugging there as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm sure. Indeed. All right, so thank you very much, Meredith Wilson Smith, who is the editor in chief and managing editor, Ian Sheriff Scott. I really do appreciate your time. Thanks for coming in and telling us all about the journal, uh, the exciting opportunities that students can uh, take part in, and uh, and uh, some of the issues that you're facing. But it uh, looks like uh, you're looking forward to some pretty positive outcomes, too. So, yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much.